0: Well, praise the Lord and good day to you. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in the studio at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. And we're glad to be gathered around God's Word today with you here at the end of this age as God is any moment now about to pull the curtain on this age as we know it. We're about to step into glory. He's about to come for his bride. And I am ready for that more than I am ready for anything else in all of God's eternity. I'm ready to be with my Lord. But until we are... We've got to occupy, and the only way we can occupy is if we remain armed with everything that our God has armed us with when he gave his son on Calvary's cross, and it is a great day to be here with you again, gathered around God's holy word. Today our study is in Second Peter chapter 2. This is going to be part 4 on the second day of October 2023. Let me say this before we dig in today. (coughs) I'm sorry. That Determined Camp Meeting is here this week. It's already the week for Determined Camp Meeting beginning Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pastor Wayne Voss will kick it off on Thursday night and Pastor Colton Hill will end it on Sunday night. And in between there, there's 12 other ministers cross-eyed preachers is what I call them. God's raised them up for this this specific time, those and more across the globe that he is making determined to know nothing other than Christ in him crucified, to walk through all the naysaying and all the negative things and just as Jesus did, to never lay his mission down and to make it to the finish line following in our Lord's footsteps carrying that cross. Hallelujah. It's going to be a grand time in the Lord. There's going to be instruction, direction. There's going to be comfort, edification, wisdom. There's going to be a mighty move of God. How can there not be when God's people gather around the Lamb? Hallelujah. How can there not be a mighty move of God when the messages are that which brings the hearing of faith, the very thing that allowed us to have the Holy Spirit and the working of miracles in our midst, the hearing of faith tied to Jesus and what he did at Calvary. Oh my goodness, it's going to be great. It's in Palestine, Texas, beginning this Thursday night at Christ Community Church. They're on the loop in Palestine. Uh, if you watch this broadcast later on the YouTube channel, when I upload it, you'll see all the speakers' names and the times they're ministering there on the screen right now if you're watching this on YouTube. And uh, so I encourage you, there's people coming literally from all over the country. This is the 10th year that the Lord has blessed us to have these determined camp meetings. And uh, if he continues to tarry year after year, uh, however long that is i pray he continue to give us these meetings where we can come together those who are striving together for the faith of the gospel hallelujah all the other things that all the other things that we try to focus on won't work until we begin to strive together <coughs> by faith for the faith of the gospel hallelujah well Here we are today in 2 Peter chapter 2. And again, this is part 4, so let's begin in verse 9 today. And we may go back up a little bit. We'll see how the Lord works this out today. But 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter begins to talk about false teachers in the midst of the church. He said, surely they'll be there in the days ahead from the time he wrote this. And he's talking about... In the church, let's go back up and look at this in verse one, but there were false prophets also among the people under the old covenant, and you know it was never those that got stoned and or or those that were put to death in whatever way they died by israel it was It was always the ones who were speaking truly on behalf of God, the ones who Jesus said. We're testifying of him, writing of him, never the false prophets. People love false prophets. Watch now, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who secretly shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift. Destruction. Of course, we know these today to be what the Bible also calls enemies of the cross. Many enemies of the cross will use the word cross, and uh, they will claim all sorts of things with the word cross involved. But if you're going to listen to those that God has raised up to minister his righteousness, meaning preaching the cross, You're going to have to be very careful these days because the deception is so rampant and it is so, can I say, the the enemy has a level of deception for every level of maturity in Christianity. No matter how mature we become, no matter how far we've come, no matter how much we've grown, wherever we are standing, take heed when you stand. Because in that very place that you've grown to, that you have arrived to in your maturing level, the enemy has something deceitful and deceptive that can look very right but be very wrong. And every one of these places can only be recognized and avoided if we're continually determined to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. One of the great deceptions today is is that we'll we'll talk about the cross and we'll say all the right things about the cross, <coughs> but then we'll allow other ministers to come in and do all their hocus pocus and call it the Holy Ghost and say things totally opposite from what is being said at other times from the pulpit. This causes confusion this causes what the Bible here says, heresies. And that word heresies, I I always thought it meant just false teachings, but heresies is a word that means disunion. It causes disunion, uh, disunity. When, When we're ministering what's right over here, but then we open the door for what's not right that is causing disunion it's causing really a dismemberment in experience now we're all one as believers one body and 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 many members but one body but the members of the body of Christ begin to be inexperience dismembered because we become confused We hear this, it's right, and then we hear this, and it's made to sound like it's right, but it's different from that, and so we're confused, and we don't know which way to go, and it's, you know, so then we're right back where we were before we started hearing the message of the cross and before God did in our lives what he was able to do through the message of the cross and its exclusivity. So there's these levels of deception. These false teachers they don't just walk in with a name tag as "I'm a false teacher." Get ready, I mean. But the church is so is so deceived today, and I've been there myself. I mean, I remember years ago, and I want to tell this little uh, story about personally what happened years ago. Uh, a preacher came into the church. I'm talking about before Crossway Church existed, another church, and. Uh, said he was driving by the church and and God told him he was to minister to that church that night. And the preacher said, well, if you're driving by and God told you that, I I guess that's the way it is. So, And he let him preach that night. And and that man got up and said, you people are going to give me a good offering tonight. And I don't think I'm making this up or exaggerating one bit. This is how far away from the focus of the faith of the gospel the church really is or how twisted it tries to define what the faith of the gospel really is. This man says, you all are going to give me a good offering tonight because you see what kind of suit I'm wearing, I'm blessed. You saw what kind of vehicle I drove up in, I'm blessed. And you're going to bless me because you want God to bless you. And that's what's out there today. But that's just one thing among thousands of other things that have taken the place of the focus of Calvary. And these are false teachers that are allowed to come in and secretly come in and uh, for some under-the-table purposes. Either uh, the message of the cross and its exclusivity is not enough to fill the pews or to bring the money that I say I need or whatever the reasons may be, uh, we have to learn to go the way of the cross and to stick with it in spite of the consequences. I said it in my message yesterday. We have to go the way of the cross. We have to learn to be determined to know nothing else and accept the consequences of that faith. If we don't, then it'll be no time before we put the cross down because we're not lacking the consequences of this faith that we've found out freed us from the bondage of the sin nature. But, it's, but this great truth is now trying to take us as more self-will is revealed to us in our hearts, trying to take us into the deeper work of the cross. And if we're not willing to go at whatever point, we're not willing to go deeper being rooted in this great truth with our union in Christ and his death. At that point, then our flesh is beginning to speak louder. That At that point, we're not willing to go deeper. At that point, our flesh is beginning to twist our thinking and to get us to look away, and then we're moving away. And now what we've heard and what we were so excited about at one time is now... Dwindling down and our flesh is going a different way. These things happen as we're desensitized, as we have as we begin to trust people, trust men who we think could never allow this to happen. But the only way we can be assured that we will never fall prey to this is that if we keep our minds on what allowed our minds to begin to be sober and have the peace of God when we realize the cross was the answer for everything. And when we begin to move away from that is when we begin to hold the door open and allow things to come in secretly under the guise of other things. And that's what Peter is writing about here. And let's look at really an overview of this today. He's he's talking about the, these false teachers are going to come in and they're going to have destructive ways in any way other than the exclusive way of the cross is a destructive way. It's not the way of righteousness. And Peter, uh, make sure, As if you didn't hear the last session, please go and listen, because we covered right here in this chapter how that this is not talking about lost ministers amidst the church. There are tares among the church. This is talking about ministers who start out right and then end up wrong, turning and going away from the way of righteousness, which is God's holy commandment. You can see that at the very end of this very chapter. So look at it. We looked at it the last time. But the Lord goes on here and he says... Uh, Let's just read verse 3 again today before we move on. And through covetousness, they shall with feigned words, feigned words and deceptive words, words that sound right, but they're not right. This proves they can be talking about what is right, but leading you in the wrong direction. They can be saying right words, but then offering you other words that will dilute the right words and, and open the door to confusion and contradiction and all sorts of fleshly works. And uh, those that are doing that today, you know, I'm not being ugly, but there's a great, a great season of destruction coming. And if you know any ministries in that situation, you need to be praying for them, for their return to the exclusivity and the determination to know nothing else. Because to whom much is given, much is required. And when we avoid that requirement that comes with the much given, when we avoid that requirement, then we're going to face the consequences. And I'd rather just simply be facing the consequences of being determined to know absolutely nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified going deeper and deeper into this great truth of our crucifixion with our Savior. So he says that through covetousness they shall with deceptive words make merchandise of you. This, that means they're going to exploit you. Christians today are giving money to men who are pointing them to everything but the one thing the Holy Spirit is delivering them unto, and that's the death of Jesus. Second Corinthians four eleven. That they're they're paying preachers to to lie to them, to deceive them, and 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 I hate to be the, the bearer of this news, but uh, it is going on rampantly in the church, even among those who are warning uh, and teaching that Mormonism is not of God, Jehovah's Witness is not of God, uh, you know, Catholicism and praying to Mary and worshiping Mary, uh, people that say they don't, but they do, is not of God, and Islam is not of God, and these things that are, for the most part, Christians realize they're not of God, but the things that also were not of God is preachers telling you to put your faith in what you, you do as a Christian, even the things we're called to do that we're not to trust in those things. And there's a lot of things that are obviously being warned about, but things inside the church that are taking place in the church, in the walls of the church are not being warned about. And that's where really the the focus here is that there will be false teachers among you, not just in the world, but among you in the church That, that they come in secretly to come in. They must be saying what we're saying, but they take what we're saying. And then they begin to open the door to other things that come in and mix what they're saying and doing with what we're saying that's right. And the mixture dilutes it all and the little leaven leavens the whole lump. And I can say this uh, through experience about any ministry, any ministry that claims they're teaching and preaching the exclusivity of God's redemption power from Genesis to Revelation, uh, it. it's either growing and growing and and that truth is taking over the whole ministry or it is being reduced by other things coming in that is taking over the whole, it's one one of the two is becoming uh, enlarged. You know, a little leaven leavens the whole lump but the message of the cross begins to remove the leaven. So you see that happening in, in many different churches, many different places when the, the, these churches that God has planted in the last 25 years and raised up, many of them, came, their churches were raised up, planted and raised up, focused on Christ and Him crucified. Some have drifted back into, uh, you know, what they come out of, and because there wasn't enough money in this, there wasn't. An, this is not getting them anywhere with the fame or the big numbers or anywhere. But if you're after those things, you will. Listen very carefully. You will fall by the wayside and go back to the vomit that you came out of and, uh, or the mire that you came out of, which is what the Bible proclaims in the end of this chapter. And uh, so you have to be very careful uh, that you're hearing the truth of the cross and that there is nothing else being allowed there to come in that would distract, distract from that. And, uh, and, 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 you know, you learn you learn to notice very quickly in your own life when your own flesh doesn't want to go this way anymore. But you also learn to recognize where the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the very ministries who are holding the truth in unrighteousness when they do it. And so that is when the word of God is not ministered, in its redemptive context. You know, it's very simple when you study the word of God and you can see that we were reconciled by the blood of Jesus. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter five that our Lord has given us the ministry of reconciliation and committed the word of reconciliation to us. And again, that reconciliation and that word of reconciliation is always by the blood of the lamb. And so you can see where that uh, is the focus and the thrust and what's being uh, thrived, you know, strived for. Or you can see where it's, it's, it's melting away and other things are coming in. And you can watch that. It happens, it happens, it's happened throughout the ages. It's God along the way has been able to stir a man or some men's hearts, and and and, and all of a sudden uh, the fire burns there. Justification—that's always where the fire begins to burn again, with the truth of justification, and and our flesh will always reach a point daily where it no longer wants to go or or well, let me say it biblically scripturally in Galatians five the flesh is never willing to go the way of the cross; it will and it can it will not and cannot take up the cross, but it can be denied through our exercising of the faith we were given in the sacrifice of Christ, and our flesh can remain crucified in experience. And we can follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And when we we are, we'll recognize the the things that try to creep in, not just to ministries, but into our own heart without any ministries. But we can also recognize when these things begin to creep in and the mixture begins to take place. So he says in verse 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And he spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Now notice what's happening here. God is showing us through the writings of Peter that God knows how to get rid of the hindrances that are hindering the growth and the advancement of those who are walking with him in the light in which he walks. Notice that here. In verse 6 And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. And delivered just Lot, justified Lot, Lot who was justified, vexed. With the filthy conversation, meaning he was oppressed. That's what the word vexed means. He was oppressed with the filthy conduct of the wicked, just like we are in the world. God forbid we have to be in that situation in the church. It's bad enough to be in the world of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, which is was the example of what we're in now. God forbid we allow that to come into the church, but the only thing that keeps it out is the message being that of which delivered us out of it. It is the only message that will keep us out of it. Hallelujah. But he says in verse eight, for that righteous man, Lot, dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly. Here it comes. This is what all this, these last few verses have been about. God getting rid of the hindrance to be able to deliver because he knows how to deliver his people. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. And you know the story of Lot and his family. His wife didn't want to leave. She looked back after being warned not to, turned into a pillar of salt. And his evil daughters, once they got out and got up in a cave in the mountain away and and God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, then Lot's daughters uh, got him drunk and laid with him, <clears throat> and became pregnant by him in his drunken state. <clears throat> and an entire nation was born out of that evil act. And But Lot was delivered out of that because God knows how, even if he has to take you by the hand and lead you out, which he's done it for me, hallelujah. Glory be to God. He took me by the hand and led me out when I didn't really fully understand what was going on. And, and and then he would have to teach me what was going on by pointing me to Calvary and, and, and letting me hear the story of Calvary once again and reminding me that no power he offers comes from anywhere but Calvary's Christ. And no saving power, no delivering and keeping power, no miracle working power comes from anywhere other than the hearing of the faith of the son of god that loved us and gave himself for us hallelujah the lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished and that's exactly what's going on now even in all the world now when people die that don't know the lord they go to a place of torment, it is not yet the lake of fire that they will all be dumped into along with the Satan himself and the false prophet, and the beast, and all of that. Into the lake of fire they will go, and we will all enter into the kingdom of God with great joy, hallelujah. There will be a great separation, and there even is now in the world as we have been snatched out of the fires of destruction god forbid forbid we let sneaky creepers in with messages that will cause destruction even among god's people we've been delivered we've been snatched the bible says out of the fires of destruction may we stay the course with the message that brings great soberness of mind and clarity and and gives us the great assurance that we need. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. And that's not just the temptations from uh, other false ministers, the temptations that arise in our own hearts without the help of anybody else. You don't need somebody else being used by the enemy to tempt you You can be put in a room all by yourself and be your biggest nightmare, which you really are already anyway. And you need to understand that. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. He did that for me. He'll do it for you. I mean, it's not just the temptations that we normally know about of drinking or doing drugs or taking these pills and are these all the, you know all these temptations to watch these shows or look at things when nobody's around we shouldn't be looking of and and all the but the temptations to even be planted in a local church where they're not focused on Calvary's Christ. Focused on him, boasting of him, preaching him from Genesis to Revelation without the mixture from these. Creepers, because they're related to us by blood, or because we we have we, been friends back when before we knew this message, or because they uh, have maybe uh, the same level of ministry in numbers that we do, or whatever. The, but maybe maybe they are boasting of our ministry, and oh, that's a great temptation when people are boasting of our ministry, and then oh oh wow, thank you for those nice and encouraging, edifying words. Why don't you come preach for us this week? And, and then they come in and they don't know this great redemptive message as it pertains to co-crucifixion as Christians are required to be able to experience, to experience God. And they don't know this, so they can't preach this. They don't know it. Uh, and we make excuses for all these things. And because we're friends or relatives or because they've given money or because we're, because of any reasoning is, is not right and it's, it's absolutely wrong and it brings a, a mixture. But notice here he says in verse 10, but chiefly, mainly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. Walking in the flesh in the lust of uncleanness is a lifestyle that can be found even in the church that's lived by saved people, people who've been born again, who can live after the flesh, because you and I as Christians can either, we can choose to either walk after the flesh or after the spirit. Those two are contrary in us to one another, Galatians 5 teaches it. And we have to learn to walk after the spirit if the lust of the flesh will not be fulfilled in and through us it's a possibility and it is taking place wherever this message is not known about our place of unity with christ being co inner inner co-crucifixion where that's not known about or understood properly then the flesh will be carrying out its lust May not be in alcoholism or drugs, but it'll be in religious things that look right and appear right, but they don't work because the focus is not the cross. So they can't work. Nothing works but faith. And that's the faith of the son of God that loved us and gave himself for us. So you and I can, as Christians, walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. What is uncleanness? It's anything the Holy Spirit's not producing. It's not clean. If it's after the flesh, it's tainted. It, if it Listen, if there's anything in our lives that's not the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about spiritual things now. We're not talking about going to Walmart and buying pork and beans and potatoes to have for dinner. We're, we're talking about spiritual matters, things that I'm calling spiritual fruit if they're not emanating, being produced from a faith that's exclusively in the cross of Christ, then it's not fruit of the spirit and it's filthy fruit of the flesh. Amen. So while we're walking after the flesh, the fruit can only be uncleanness. You know, let's just give an example here. If I'm told to do three things walk around the house three times quote these three scriptures each each scripture this scripture your first time you walk around the house this scripture the second time and this scripture the third time and on the third time give a big shout to God a shout of praise to God like the children of Jer that walked around Jericho did and the walls fell and the walls are going to fall. These things that are holding you in and trapping you are going to fall from your life as well. If, if we That right there will, is, is, is something that sounds like it might work because there's some stories in the Bible of where that literally happened. But God no longer works in our lives through those various ways and diverse manners. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that. And when we're doing those things that seem right and appear right, I'm quoting scripture, I'm quoting scripture, I'm shouting hallelujah to the Lord, glory to God, thank you for deliverance, thank you, oh, thank you, Lord. Then the fruit of that is not going to be deliverance because it doesn't work and it won't work for anyone because it's not focused on the one thing that God does has given us for salvation and deliverance, and that's the very death of Jesus. That's where we're saved and delivered. That's where we're brought near and made, uh, uh, given this place of union with our Savior, and we're dead with Christ, hidden with him in God. I mean, that's just the way it is. And the fruit of all of that that appears to be right is filthy. It's unclean because it's what we're doing after the flesh and expecting God to deliver us by what we're doing, and he don't do that. He never has, and he never will, not under the new covenant. He might have told this certain king to go dip in the Jordan seven times, but he's not going to tell you to go out to the lake and dip in the water seven times. He's going to point you to the cross of Christ where you can be saved and removed from that foolishness, if you thought all that worked because it worked under the Old Testament, then you might still be one of those that believe because you go get circumcised that you're a child of God or that you're saved or that you have the seal through that of being righteousness, of being righteous with the Lord. But all that stuff is behind and gone. Jesus became the end of the law. The end of all of that for righteousness unto us who have believed in him and his redemptive work on the tree. Hallelujah. Watch this now. But verse 10, but mainly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. These people, this word means authority. These people despise authority and God's authority Exist nowhere in the church without the gospel. God's authority, meaning God's power, is the preaching of the cross. The power of God is the authority of God. God is dealing with every human being at this very moment based on what they're doing or not doing with the cross of his son. The judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment are both judgments based on what every individual who's ever lived did or didn't do with Christ and his sacrifice. You say, well, you know, one of the most popular questions is what about those who never heard the gospel? Well, God knew they weren't not believe it and therefore. That's just the way it is. God knew you would believe it and he put it before you to believe. God knew some individuals on an island would believe it. So he caused Paul and the fellows he was on a ship with to have to go through an awful storm and to be shipwrecked to float on a plank of wood to that little island of land to preach to them the gospel. Paul having to even... Freeze almost to death, and while trying to make a fire get snake bit to be able for God to save the people on that island, so God will make a way to get the gospel to those who will believe never believe that anybody is going to hell because you didn't tell them the gospel that's a prideful statement now you you you're supposed to be we are supposed to be preaching the truth of the gospel to lost people, sharing the truth, inviting them to the wedding banquet. But nobody's going to hell because you didn't tell them. People only going to hell because they rejected the truth of the gospel or they never would have received it and God knows those who are his. So those who never hear it would have never believed it anyway. God would never send someone to hell who'd never heard the gospel if he knew they would have believed it had you told it to them. It's not how this works, my friend. So be careful about things of that when you're told that God knows those who are his. And let me say it again, just as he made a way for you to hear and you chose to believe, he will make a way for all those who he's known and chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1 and 4, to hear the gospel that he knows they will choose to believe. Hallelujah to the Lamb. That doesn't relinquish our duty to present the gospel, to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. But it is not true that just because we don't tell someone that they may die and go to hell, that's an absolute false statement because God knows those who are his. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Verse 11. Now let's finish this. Watch this now. But chiefly, mainly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. And again, let's stay here for a minute. I can't believe I almost left it. The authority of God, the power of God is the authority of God. Those are one and the same thing. The, the power of God is the authority of God, and the authority of God is the power of God, and that is the preaching of the cross. And what God does to all men will be based on what they're doing with or not doing with the power he offers them. He offered Cain and Abel both the opportunity to experience the power that, that forgives from sin and gives them an opportunity to be in fellowship with the Lord. Cain said, it's going to be my way or no way. And Abel humbled himself and said, I'm choosing to go the way of the Lord and brought the blood sacrifice. God deals with every person only on those terms. Only on those terms. So these people despise authority. They despise authority. The preaching of the cross. They despise for that to be the only message there needs to be. They despise that thought. We don't always have to preach the cross. And by always preaching the cross, we're not talking about always preaching the actual event that took place in the flesh of Jesus on Golgotha's hill. The, The Lord says that he's committed his word of reconciliation to us That is the word from Genesis to Revelation, my friend. Without the power of the redemption of Calvary, there is no word in God's word in the Bible that can be imparted into our hearts. There's no experience of obedience in our lives as Christians without our faith being planted in the death of Jesus. You remember, and I shared it in yesterday's message in Exodus 24, verses seven and eight, when Moses read the law, and then he sprinkled the blood on the people because they said, we can do it, we'll be obedient. Well, God knew they couldn't. Moses knew they all couldn't. He couldn't either. So he took the blood and sprinkled it on the people, and that scripture is testified of again in Hebrews. And the declaration from the Lord Through Moses was, behold the blood, not the word of the law. Behold the blood of the covenant which I have given for you, made for you, concerning all these words. Without the blood being involved in the preaching. That's how far away the church is today. That's, that we'll even get to a point where we say we don't believe redemption has to touch every message. But it's also why those God has raised up in these last few moments of this final age as we know it that are saying there can be 10,000 messages, but the sermon in every message, if there's going to be power in that sermon, in that message, must be Christ and him crucified. It is the only object of our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But where does it come from? Oh, what a question that is. Where does it come from? It comes from Christ because it's his faith that we live by. The one who loved us and gave himself for us. And Peter in chapter one of this second letter in verse 1, tells us through the avenue through which it comes, not just initially, but every time it comes, it comes through righteousness and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These things the church does not know, and because they don't, it opens the door to those that creep in It opens the door. Because we don't know these things, the door is opened to those that creep in and secretly are able to lay other things on the table and cause a mixture that blends in so well that we'll begin to partake of it and we begin to fade away from the exclusivity, from the place that God works which is within this rule, this sphere, these boundary that God has set of in Christ Jesus. But God is raising up ministers that are not moving away from this for the sake of money or for the sake of what's happened in the past or for the sake of uh, fame or the sake of position. God is raising up ministers. They'll be like Elijah. The spirit of Elijah will be upon them. And Elijah just appeared. Nobody knew him. He just appeared with the word of the Lord. And though he was unlike the prosperous people of Israel, he found himself by a creek being fed by a raven. Oh, somebody's hearing this today that needed to hear this. Oh, those that God raised up, they may find themselves only by a creek, tucked away by God, away from the, 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 the natural things of, of, of what men are doing in men's wisdom and men's ways, being fed and watered by a creek that is steadily going dry and a raven having to bring meat to him. But what he has that the rest didn't have was the word of the Lord. You see, the words that Elijah had were the words of present truth for that day. And that's what these have that God is raising up, these that are being made fun of, these that are called unloving, just as Ahab called Elijah, you who troubleth Israel. And Elijah would have to say, no, sir, you are the one who's troubled Israel. It was Ahab's fault that it was not raining for three and a half years. It is ministers today who refuse to preach this message to an already saved church who are bringing on the drought and the famine of sound doctrine. But God has ministers. The clouds are the dust of his feet. As we brought out last session in Nahum chapter 1 verse 3, the prophet says the clouds are the dust of God's feet. Jude says there are ministers among the church as clouds without rain but God's ministers, where God is walking. And you know, you'll know that by the dust of his feet where he's walking because his ministers have clouds that carry this latter rain. Oh, the rain. Do you understand that God only allows his latter rain to be upon the ground in which he plants his people? Do you know he plants his people in the likeness of Christ's death? It's the only ground he waters. It's the only place his latter rain falls upon. The ground in which we become rooted with Christ and being established in his death with him. Do you know these things? Are you learning these things? Are you learning to love these truths of which you're found experiencing this inner co-crucifixion with Christ, this deeper work of the cross. And we're not talking about something that has to be after 10, 15, 20 years, unfortunately, as it has been for most of us, some even longer than that. But you can begin this process the moment you're born again, the next day, the next week. You can walk in this place of deeper and deeper rooted, being rooted with Christ in his death. You see, because there's never going to be a moment in our lives as Christians where there's not more of self- Coming to the surface when you reach a place where you know you you, you, what you're hearing and what you're seeing is not right, and but you'll have to go deeper in this union through faith in the sacrifice of Christ, and you're being crucified with Him, this inner crucifixion, to be able to stay apart from where your flesh wants you. To stay in this place you've reached, or your flesh wants you. If you choose to do that, you the flesh. Listen, you never stay in the place the flesh says you've reached, and this is far enough. The flesh will always take you farther and farther away from where you need to be. This is why when we reach a place where we refuse to go deeper in this great truth we refuse its application, we refuse to sit under its ministers that God has given the church in these last days. We cannot stay where we are. There is no staying place with God outside of staying at the cross. If we choose to think we've reached a place that's far enough, it's a deceptive thought that carries us captive away from where we need to be. And then we find ourselves opening the door to those that come in that cause this disunion, these false teachers. They say words that appear to be right, but then they open doors to other avenues, really sometimes other spirits at work that come in through the flesh. So watch this again now as we stay here for a moment. Mainly, chiefly them, God knows how to deliver us from them. This is not about people. This is about being delivered from the the works of the flesh that ministers don't know any better than laying before the people. We don't have to stay there. Love rejoices in the truth, 1 Corinthians 13 and 6, and love rebukes those. Love rebukes that which is perverting the truth. Many today are going around talking about love, and we just need to love, and their focus is love. Therefore, they're having to work hard to try to love because some, they're finding it hard to love. But the focus is not love. The focus is Jesus and what he did at Calvary, and that gives us the correct focus of love that will rejoice in the truth and be found rebuking that which is perverting the truth. Be very careful of where you're choosing to partake of what you're calling love rather than what the fruit of love will do In your life, because it will always and only rejoice in the truth, but it will also point out, mark those that are causing division and offenses because of contrary doctrine. And love will avoid them. Love will not accept them in the pulpit, it will accept them in the pew. But love will never accept them to be in the pulpit, but it will avoid them from being in the pulpit. That's what love does for the sake of the sheep. You know, when Jesus taught Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. And a student, a pastor that is a student of the word knows that there's only one meal on the table. There's only one meal on the table, and that's the, the flesh and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only can we abide in Christ if we eat his flesh and drink his blood. He taught that in John 6:53 through 56. He's talking about abiding continuously. See, eating his flesh and drinking his blood was not just about our initial entrance. But it's the only meal that's on the table that's been prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. Oh, somebody needed to hear this today besides me. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they. What does presumptuous mean? Let's look at that for a minute together. It means daring Think about that. Daring, audacious. You ever seen a minister that just seems audacious and we're like, how dare he come in here preaching this? This is not what we believe. But there's some open door somewhere that I allowed him to come in here and do that. It means audacious. It means daring. Daring are they. Self-willed. self Willed. Get that now? Let's, let's look at that like we don't know what that means, but I like looking at it. This Bible study, so we can look at these things. self wield means literally self-pleasing. That is arrogant. Anything that's self-willed is pride because it's either my will or thy will. And where those words were spoken took our Savior to the cross. And that is always going to be the place in the Christian's life. Not my will, but thy will. God's will is the cross. Not just to save us, but to keep us abiding in Christ, partaking of that divine nature by eating his flesh and drinking his blood, meaning our hearts are yielded as servants to obedience unto righteousness that we read about in Romans six sixteen. So watch this now. These are, <clears throat> they despise the authorities, the authority of the gospel alone. They're presumptuous. What did we say that word meant? I've already forgotten. It means daring. They will dare to bring these things in. And they're self-willed, meaning they're arrogant. You can recognize them. You can recognize them. Many times, and this is a place that we need to be very discerning that I do not believe we can be Unless we understand what's written in Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14 about being becoming skillful in the word of righteousness, <clears throat> so that we can discern between good and evil. There's a difference between being confident and arrogant, and many times we can mistake confidence for arrogance, but many times we can mistake arrogance for confidence. The only way that that can be discerned and determined is by the Spirit of God through what they're preaching, what their heart is yielded to as they minister because what their heart is touching, their lips will be speaking. And if it's not the cross, then we can see through the discernment within the perimeters of being skillful with the word of righteousness. Let's try to finish this. Time's almost up this morning. Who would believe that? Presumptuous, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil, Of dignitaries. They're not afraid to speak evil of glory. This word means glory. They're not afraid to speak evil of glory. What is glory? Jesus, they're not going to speak evil of Jesus in words that can be said right out in the open. But Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. And that glory is seen as we behold its image at Calvary, 2 Corinthians 3.18, because that is the image we're being made conformable to, his death, Philippians 3.10. So when we're pointing, when we, whoever is pointing to something else, for the power of God to be in or on your life, that's really speaking evil in a hidden secret secret place that's going to cause disunion and dismemberment, division and offense among the body of Christ. You can look into that more on your own because our time is up. But I look forward to seeing you again, maybe next Monday morning. We'll see you after camp meeting If we get back into this, I may take a week off, man, to get more into this all by myself. Hallelujah. But I hope to see you at camp meeting. The services won't be streamed live. They'll be uploaded later by Pastor Bass. I pray that this morning's session has been an encouragement to you, maybe an enlightenment, maybe even if your flesh got disturbed by it, you would find the power to put your flesh in its place through faith in the sacrifice and be able to move on and go deeper in this great truth about your Savior and what He did for you at Calvary. So I encourage you to maybe listen again. Maybe next time take notes. Share these great truths with those that you know. Share it on your Facebook page. Share it on your YouTube channel so others may have an opportunity to hear the message of truth that could change their lives. Hallelujah. God bless you. I love you. If the Lord stirs your heart to give an offering to Him, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next time. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and him crucified. We'll see you then.